Welcome to the Bible Breakdown. It's a black man and woman in America who no longer identify as believers. This show contains adult languages, themes, and isn't meant for children. As black people, we respect the history of the black church in America, but its current state is massively abusive and we think the Bible might be part of the problem. Listen and let us know what you think. Peace. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Bible Breakdown. I'm your host, Kat. And I am T.K. Hello, T.K. Hello. Good morning. Um, are you are you ready to get into the word today? Yes. Let's do it. All right. Um, I do want to say like this is um, this will definitely air after Thanksgiving, but I think it's always a good idea to have an attitude of gratitude. So I want to say I'm thankful to everyone listening right now, and I'm thankful to you for making time for our important work. Yes, I agree. Um, so last time, do you remember what happened on the last exciting episode of the Bible Breakdown? Um, Abner defected David. Abner was finally made king. Or not, I'm sorry, David was finally anointed king. And uh, David mourned Saul. Yeah, so um, David distinctively was anointed the king of Judah and not Israel. So right now we've got the Hebrews in two different kingdoms. And I think the word kingdom is a rather large word for what was really going on, which is just a tribe of uh, warring warlords. Hmm. And you said um, this does have relation to the modern thing with the Israel-Palestine situation? I mean, this is what it has its roots in. Okay, I watched a video about that yesterday. That's what I was asking. Got you. I think it's very important to get as much information about it as possible because it affects our world in an outsized way because of the Bible, which I like to remind people isn't a magic document. It's just a really old one. So, and it just happens to be the first book that got widely printed, but that doesn't make it magic. It just makes it first. Yeah, my interest was came from. I mean, the obviously the situation has been going on for a while. I hope they find an expedient um, resolution that helps everyone. But um, I saw a tweet about how if rainwater you can't collect, collect uh, Palestinians can't collect rainwater because it's the property of the Israeli government. Yeah, and I was see, just that, like, that's, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, that goes too far. You know what perspective I feel I don't hear enough about the conflict? Mm. Is that neither side um, is a big fan of female leadership. Um, they're both organizations that um, are very male-dominated. And I'm not saying, like, women should totally take over, But I think organizations are better when there's a diversity. Yeah. Yeah, In all types of diversity. But, you know, gender being one of the, you know, parts of it. But that's just my humble opinion. I'm just a humble podcaster. Yeah, I agree with that. I think we have to have more diversity and leadership. Um, I think it 
when that happens, when women have, you know, in more important roles, it's easier for men to then follow them um, or. It's also interesting to me, too, that like this Jewish homeland, they don't seem to have or show any black or like Jews of color, which is fascinating because everybody we're reading about this is going on in Africa and the Middle East. Not a traditionally pale place. I mean, we know what that's about. Do we even have to get into that right now? <laughs> I think we do. You have to remember for not everybody has your experiences. So you can look at it through that lens. But for people who are constantly used to only seeing pale faces and consider dark faces a minority, even though on the planet, most people are melanated. Mm -hmm. So I think for it, it is it is worth saying, like, I will agree me and you know what's going on because we've grown up in a very um, color centric society. But for people who just assume that, you know, whiteness or paleness is just the norm for everywhere around the world, it wouldn't phase them. But for me, it's very interesting that this bastion, this stronghold that the U.S. refuses to ever criticize is also could be described as all white. Yeah, no, I, I can see that point. And maybe it is a, uh, important to say something. Um, so excuse my negligence on that. It just gets exhausting. You're, you're excused. It, it does get exhausting. I I really, oh my goodness, like sometimes get seriously depressed about it and have to make myself stop thinking about it. Interesting. I don't I don't think I ever get depressed. Um, I just, it just gets exhausting because it's just like, golly, like everything, every step you make, every move you make, every, um, that, that's our transition to puff in a second. But, <laughs> it just it's just like I don't want to think about and you know what I also I've recognized this I think I more than most have I think I brought this up before have a privilege as a black man because light skinned I've realized when I go into spaces I don't get treated how some of my peers might be treated um yeah but i do recognize that there's still bull a lot of levels of bullshit so is there ever yeah um but anyway they're not showing them i didn't i, I haven't really like kept up with it as far as um like the, a, da a daily news cycle i just happen to be on twitter i refuse to fucking call it x and um <laughs> That 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 rainwater thing just like st stuck with me because I was just like that is so wild. And then, that's some cold. That that pimpin's ice cold. Yeah, and that made me you, go. You never heard research. a pimp tell a. You never heard a pimp tell a bitch you can't collect raindrops while you on the corner. <laughs> yeah, a pimp will let a bitch drink. It's like damn, like they they won't let them live. That's the thing. It's like there's no good. It communicates a lack of good faith. Well. And I guess I connected with that particular story because it reminded me of, in a lot of ways, uh, the civil rights movement, where it's just like, 
all these black people in the United States want to just be responsible for their own destinies and it, live it's it's yeah. called living they just want to live <laughs> at every turn somebody's trying to make it harder yeah we just want our cool ranch freedoms like everybody else yeah. like that's that's it so that's the thing too like if you are a person who is like legally white um and you want to know like i mean everyone's coming at me what can i do on a, on an interpersonal level just treat black people like you would white people like we're all the same people like what you consider white people came from black people we all came from black people there's no we're all from the we're we're all rowing the same boat and it's so like media in the internet culture well i don't want i don't want to say we'll have you think that things are worse than they are because things i think have always been bad those outlets have just allowed us to see it more and understand that this is taking place a lot more frequently because i often see on the internet it holds a mirror up to society for sure yeah but on a on a daily personal level like when i walk outside and i check the temperature i feel like i run into a lot of people where i feel like oh these are you know decent people whether they're white or black so it's just or even some kind of halfsies half these like yeah i mean i think america can at least conditions us to think in that binary but it when you start looking at the world at large people don't fall comfortably into binaries we're finding that out with gender and i think when it comes to what we're calling race which is very imprecise unscientific term um when you have these different populations i'll I'll say like you you see this the same kind of stuff just pop up that reminds me i was somewhere um uh, that's where you always are <laughs> i was i was at work <laughs> for my okay. for my uh job where i have to act like a patient to help train med- medical professionals and one of the questions was what is your race mm. and well the what is your race ethnicity and i was However they worded it particularly <laughs> that particular time, I was like, well, what are my options? And so they so somebody he said uh he was like, Well, there's black, or she said black, and I was just like, Black's a race? I didn't know that. I just <laughs> like to me that's a color. So <laughs> Well, that's all race is. It's just very codified colorism so because um, to me I mean, race is like I guess along the lines of species like there's the human race and then once there's again, I, I point out like the, the reason why you can keep talking about it in circles is because it's not based in any sort of fact so it's a pseudoscience like it's not like it, it really isn't anything. It was just a, it's a vestige of eugenics, which has been debunked as a fake science. So the fact that we still use it is part of the problem. Like yes. it shouldn't be an identifier. I like it a lot when they put prefer not to say. And that was the thing too, because when I learned that like in a lot of places, like in most of the world, like we wouldn't be considered black. Like we consider ourselves black because that's what it says on our birth certificates. 
but and we're legally black by the United States standards because they use a one drop rule, which is also very imprecise. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> so you have, um, one, but if you have one drop of. Uh, yes, it means if you have one drop of African blood, but as we've established, everybody does. That's where we've all come from. You go far back enough. Oh, man. I quoted this on the other podcast, Paul Mooney. He, uh, he's a comedian and um, he's passed on, very controversial, but he has said uh, a white man loves to look at his family tree, but he don't want to shake it because a nigga fall out. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, true. <laughs> but um, before we can go on, but like, yeah, that's just a quick primer on race. And it's real, it's it's actual non-existence. Like people are different colors, but we don't have to sort people by color. That's weird because whenever you have any kind of genetic diversity in a population, you're going to have different gene expressions. And that means different phenotypes, different colors, nose shapes, hair color, hair texture. It And the variety is beautiful and wonderful. So I think like trying to say like, well, you're this type of person because you look like this. It's like, chill out. Well, the last point I'll make on that and then we can move on is everything to me relates back to people not wanting to do the work. And what I mean by that is because what you just said. I'm going to disagree with you right there. What do you mean? I think a lot of these problems stem from people not wanting to do the work like that, what you just said, but I wasn't stopping you. I was saying, I agree with oh, you. Oh, I thought you said you were going to disagree with me. I was just like, really? no, 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 <laughs> right. to dis- oh. no, well, yeah. I told strong agree. Well, be- yeah, because, um, in the, like you said, this is kind of a pseudoscience when we get into the whole race thing. And so people not taking the time to go understand or even be, put in positions where they're being taught that this is kind of not the way we should do things. We kind of just accept what is given creates a problem. And we've seen that with the race thing. We see that with the, I mean, the, 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 the whole reason we're doing this podcast, we see that. So it just continues to, I don't know, I guess shake my faith in humanity because people kind of just want it easily handed to them and i'm constantly reminded every fucking day that you actually are gonna have to work a little bit harder than you thought you were gonna have to work to make one make the world a better place and to get the results that you want i was watching um genie bus who is the owner of the los angeles lakers which is which is a basketball team in the united states and she has she had got asked a question like you know when do you get to take a break or whatever and she was like, really, I don't like it's all you always have to be on. My phone is constantly ringing or I'm always doing a text. And that may to relate that to this. It just makes me think like that's kind of how you have to be when it comes to learning and knowledge. Like you always kind of have to be I on. Mean, um, that's not healthy. I mean, it's not. But I mean, I wouldn't recommend that. But I would say to your point about. um you know, maybe losing your faith in humanity. Uh, that's kind of how I felt when I heard the Diddy story. Because mm. I was like, the fact that it didn't surprise me, I was like, well, damn. Oh, it didn't I was surprise like, me either. Yeah, because I was like, yeah, I was like, that tracks. And it's like, God damn it. Like, why does this, how do we stop it? Like, I would like to stop domestic abuse. I really would like to stop all the abuses. I think that's why I'm so passionate about, 
getting the word out about the Bible and what it actually is as opposed as opposed to what it's did he ask that shit quick you see he already settled right (laughs) yeah I was like and I think that is the fastest I've ever seen that so I was on a podcast last night and I got not into it because the whole point of the show is to debate stuff so with one of the other um guest on the show he was saying it looks suspect because it was four days from the statute of limitations for her ever being able to do something about it and i was like well i'm like that to me that makes sense like to me it doesn't make her look less credible it's just like he's like why didn't she say something earlier it's like well there's no good time to ever do this stuff. That's the thing. Like, no matter when you do it, there's always some kind of scrutiny. I'm like, does it make it a safer world when we ask those questions for people to come forward or are we making it harder for them? That's like saying whenever you have a deadline for like, I don't know, like for for insurance or something. Like, you know, like insurance, you usually get like a a 31 day period when you go to a new job. And that's like saying, why did you wait to the 29th day or some shit like that? It's just like, I mean, you did like you might have been on the fence. Do I want this insurance? Do I not want this insurance? Do I want to test or do I want to take this to trial? Do I not want to take like it's just that's just what it is. Do you think there should be a statute of limitations for sex crimes? Like obviously there should be statutes of limitations, but on certain what is the crimes, I don't, what is the what is the current timeline? Do you know? I don't know. I think it might um, it might be twenty years. No. I don't know though, because it might be different from state to state too. So, because uh, yeah, it would be filed with the state, so it's, it would be different from state to state. But one of the things that's interesting to me is that one of the organizations that's lobbying super hard to make sure that there is still a statute of limitations for sex crimes. I'm actually going to see if you can guess. Do you think you could guess the organization that's fighting really hard to keep statute of limitations for sex crimes? Before I answer that, to answer my own question, because I just Googled it, it. I mean, it does vary from state to state. It looks like because the first state that popped up is our state and it. It, it, so ours is five years for statutory rape and uh that's not a long time for it says t- seven years from the date of the incident for okay so anywhere from five to seven years so like do you think well, like which organization do you think is fighting super hard to keep these statutes it's an organization and not a party yes uh, when I say it, you're gonna be like Planned Parenthood. I don't know. What? Why would they want? I don't know. You asked me a sex? question. That was the first sorry. person. Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. The Catholic Church. They're fighting for statute of limitations. Yes, because if there is no statute of limitations, they're going to get way more lawsuits against them. Oh, okay. That yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So they want the like to me, the statutes really protect abusers in these situations, especially given the nature of sex crimes. The thing I wanted to make clear whenever you're ready, that's the right time to do it. So to tell somebody like you should have done it back when, you know, I would have cared about it. I don't want to hear that noise. Like for people who've been through this, 
they need to whenever they feel like it's time to do it that's the time to do it and it makes it a safer world when you say it because your silence will not save you and i was gonna agree with you um before because when i just in my head thought about it um from a more petty level there's no there's no get back or there's no like uh what do they say there's no um due date on a get back or some, some shit like that but basically yeah like you know if you did something in the past like i think you should have to answer for that no matter so yeah i don't i don't think we should have statute of limitations actually for any crime i guess well, I'm going to say specifically for sex crime. I think for some crimes, because it can overload the justice system, like if you can go back to anything and like it, it does, there is um, some logic around that. But given the nature of sex crimes and the fact that making it more difficult to report these people uh, makes our world less safe, because the other thing it does is it sends out a warning because now it's like okay girl young women who may not have heard this before have now heard it and now you're hearing this over and over again so you won't be going in situations like oh i met this pop star and he's like seems really into me like no problems there or the fact that this very much older man is interested in this very young girl because to me Cass, they got involved when she was like 19 that's very young and he was 37 like you know what's even more weird to me is the fact that these people's unhealthy relationship with fucking people we like like i like diddy he's funny you know i i, I never really I think, liked him i think i mean i do think he has a lot of fuck nigga tendencies. i like some of the music he produced i like but i mean from like just what i've seen as, as far as personality like i like him he can come off as like an asshole and a whole bunch of other shit but i generally yeah, I like diddy now with that being said i think it's weird when people be like well why'd you wait this long and the, like because to me that just signals like it kind of is like what you just said like oh you should have said something when i cared about it like no fuck that like <laughs> i just i don't know i don't get these it it makes one again it makes people feel like they should never say anything which just continues to perpetuate abuse cycles and then two like we worship these fucking people like diddy don't even fucking know you like i saw some of the com- one of the things was funny though that i mean the comments do be funny sometimes they do niggas are funny and mean because somebody said (laughs) her 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 new boyfriend or something is definitely telling her to do this and i just i don't know i found that funny her new boyfriend's telling her to do what to to fall against diddy this is before they settled to file it i didn't know i'm sorry i mean like he's putting her new man is putting her up to this so they can get money from puff oh and no i didn't yeah but be i don't know i just thought that was and, funny and if and because that's the thing like if he didn't if he didn't feel like he oh because that's the other thing too he's getting older now and so i think he might actually want to make amends to her i wonder like i don't know i, I don't know how many people have ever thought like that was the thing where it was just like because honestly what probably happened because i think this is how it you know at least in my case like usually you have to cut off your abuser as much as you can so i can't imagine they've had like 
a talking relationship. So yeah, because the statute's about to run out. Who know? I don't. I honestly, it's none of. I don't really care about that point. I think what matters is um, we support people who come out and tell their truth. Um, for people who are like, well, um, you know, these bitches be lying. It's usually really obvious when people lie about this stuff. People get caught up real quick because crimes, real crimes that really happen, they have, they defend themselves because they have the power of truth. Like when people are lying like that Jesse Smoulet shit, when people lie about being abused, it unravels pretty quickly because like I said, most people don't even understand abuse cycles and how it goes for real. So usually there's a tip off like, oh, you making this shit up because that don't make no sense. That was the Jesse Smollett. Like that one chick who uh, pretended to see like a kid on the side of the road because she wanted to say she was abducted or whatever. Um, I have no idea. This was like this was a couple of months ago. Uh, it, it turns out there was this woman who basically wanted to run off with her boyfriend for a while, but she was in a real religious environment. So she lied and say she saw a child getting trafficked and then she was kidnapped because she said she saw the, you know, abducted child or whatever it just ended up being like it's like girl that's not we know you're lying because that's how the taken version of of human trafficking works that's not how real human trafficking works so yeah that's usually how you can figure out people are lying because they just take their law and order ass version of crime and try to make it apply to their life and it's like no that's that's bullshit but when shit's real it has a way of it ha- it strikes a it rings a bell okay. but uh speaking of abuse cycles you're ready to get into the new revised standard the new revised standard version of first samuel 4 yes your favorite type of abuse yeah ishbal assassinated when saul's son ishbal heard that abner had died at hebron his courage failed and all israel was dismayed Saul had two captains of raiding bands, and the name of one was Bana, and the name of the other was Rechab. They were sons of Remon, a Benjaminite from Beeroth, for Beeroth is considered to belong to Benjamin. Now the people of Beeroth have fled to Gidam and are there as resident aliens to this day. Saul's son Jonathan had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled, and in her haste to flee, it happened that he fell and became lame. His name was Mephiboseth. Now the sons of Ramon and the Berearite, Rechab and Bana, set out, and about the heat of the day, they came to the house of Ishbal. While he was taking his noonday rest, they came inside the house as though to take wheat, and they stuck him in the stomach. Then Rechab and his brother Bahan escaped. Now they had come into the house while he was lying on his couch in his bedchamber. They attacked him, killed him, and beheaded him. Then they took his head and traveled by way of Arabah all night long. They brought the head of Ishbal to David at Hebron and said to the king, Here is the head of Ishbal, son of Saul, your enemy who sought your life. The Lord has avenged my lord, the king, this day on Saul and his offspring. David answered Rechab and his brother Banah, the sons of Rimon the Bethrite, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life out of every adversity, 
When the one who told me, see, Saul is dead, thought he was bringing good news, I seized him and killed him at Ziglag. This was the reward I gave him for his news. How much more than when wicked men have killed a righteous man on his bed in his own house. And now I shall not require his blood at your hand and destroy you from the earth. So David commanded the young men and they killed them. They cut off their hands, feet, and hung their bodies beside the pool at Hebron. But the head of Ishbal they buried, took and buried in the tomb of Abner at Hebron. Thanks, Thanks be to be God. Um, <clears throat> well, all right. So, wow. They, Stabby. You know what this, this story reminded me of as I was reading? Diddy. No. What? No. This, okay. This reminded me of the Sopranos episode where those two guys tried to kill Chris. You remember that episode? Yeah, I haven't seen Sopranos. Okay. Well, it's an episode time. where these two guys are kind of... They think they can move up in the ranks by killing Chris. Were these the two dumb ones? Yeah. Okay, I remember that. Cause yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they think they can move up in the ranks by killing Chris and like kind of get in better with uh. Well, they were trying to get cool with Tony, but he wasn't fucking with them. So because they, they were stupid. Yeah. So they kind of did that and then tried to because they thought yeah they thought uh chris and tony were beefing so they're like okay he'll be happy with us if we kill him yeah and then but it's they, like dude that's my nephew be for real <laughs> and so i don't know this that kind of just made me think of that because i mean this is they did this they killed uh ishbal and then they went to david and david was like what the fuck basically um he wasn't feeling that and so uh he ends up killing them. Um, apparently, according to, well, do you want to give your analysis well, before I get into <clears throat> the, the message of this? I was just going to say David's real funny acting because he acts like he's the only one who can kill people. Oh. Like, you know, <laughs> you're going to love the the message then. OK, <laughs> cool. And it was super weird to me. They just threw in there that one guy, Miss Mephiboseth. And like they just threw in there that he got his feet fucked up when he was little because his nurse was clumsy. I don't know what that had to do with the story. That fell out of place. They're setting him up for a later story arc. He's he's this uh, he's the uh, B story. Can I say it was cumbersome? Yeah, I mean you can okay. say whatever you want. Thank you. Um, okay, so go the, ahead with uh, who's this giving us a breakdown? Bard. Okay, thank you, Bard. According to Bard. The, the message of the story is David's response to Ish Bashef's uh, assassination demonstrates his commitment to justice and his refusal to tolerate violence and treachery, even in the pursuit of power. He understands that true leadership requires integrity and compassion, and he is determined to rule Israel in a way that honors God and brings peace to the land. So... <clears throat> This weekend, I actually got into a conversation with a young man who's um, uh, like, you know, he's super into the Bible. So I told him, I'm like, yeah, I'm reading the Bible, too. But I'm like, I'm not as impressed. And he, I was just saying, like, you know, because he's actually reading Samuel right now, too. And oh. so I was like, yeah, I was like, so what did David do other than kill people? Because they talk about what a faithful, you know, leader David was to the Lord. But it's like, what did he do other than kill people like kill more people than Saul 
and it's there uh, unless you just have the you know like hey this is this is the lesson y'all you ain't even got to think about it it's like no i thought about it this is actually terrible like this is just a continuation of the human impulse to murder people and then be like god told me to what kind of god man uh this is Mm. a question that i keep coming back to um and also it seems like make god do his own killing it seems like God is perfectly capable of killing whoever he wants to, whenever he wants to. So why does he need your grubby little unwashed human hands doing it for him? Unless you just like killing. Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, we brought it up before, though. Like, he he should, one, be able to do it. But also, if you're a powerful being, you, I mean, you don't even need to do any of this like you can literally snap your fingers and make it whatever happen happen so it just i don't know it's almost as if he doesn't exist <sighs> but again people don't like to think so i mean people don't like to think in a way that makes them less important or wrong oh i'm notice i've noticed that a lot more as well it's an ego thing yeah we got them <laughs> um all right so okay so we're getting um we're ooh, we're getting into um kind of like why we're in this sticky situation and because uh, that's the problem with people taking this literally and seriously because that was the thing too because he was saying like that part where Saul goes to the medium to bring up Samuel's ghost and he was like oh and that shows ghosts are real I was like or somebody just wrote that down like every other ghost story like and here's another point and this is how I know ghosts aren't real because if ghosts were real the ghosts of former slaves would be haunting all these white people when I went to acting class this weekend, I met a, a gentleman who does a supernatural podcast. Mm. Um, he swears that shit's real. Mm-hmm. Um, good guy, too. I, I really liked his energy. Um, shout out him mm-hmm. because he um, he's been doing podcasting for 14 years. I, I, it makes for a funner world if there's this like supernatural underworld. But since people don't even understand the natural world, what makes you think you could understand a supernatural world? I guess I, to me, I don't I feel I don't know what to call myself, but I often find like these people's amazement with like aliens and ghosts and supernatural shit i don't much care i don't if it were real i would totally care but since even if it was real like does it is it impacting me directly i mean that's the thing you wouldn't know unless you studied or looked into it but since it's just some stuff people made up it's not worth looking into okay i'll give you that because it could be one of those things like i don't know like gravity where it's there but we don't really acknowledge it but we know it has a presence so yeah but we can study but that's the thing with gravity we can study it and learn about it and how it affects like time and how our mass affect gravity like all of that stuff is really fascinating and interesting to learn like the stuff with ghosts like that's just something because it's just an extension of our fear of death because we want to believe we can be a ghost and live on forever after we die but we don't you just die it's fine I think 
those type of narratives combined with this this is where i get disappointed is where it's harmful with human because, with humanity yeah because it's mm-hmm. harmful because it allows people to think that they have more time than they than they do yeah. and it allows people to waste that time yeah. and put shit off and no i, I don't know i think I it's think way more empowering to wake up every day and be like you know what this might be the last day uh this might be the only time i ever get and i should take advantage of that and given recent events with me that's really made me be like you know what gonna take advantage of all these moments you know oh yeah yeah hell yeah i'm the captain of my soul all right you want to uh tackle samuel five yes David anointed king of all Israel. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Look, we are your bone and flesh. For some time, while Saul was king over us, it was you who led us out out Israel and brought it in. The Lord said to you, It is you who shall be shepherd of my people, Israel. You who shall be ruler over, over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 40 years at Hebron. He reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And at Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. Jerusalem made capital of the United Kingdom. Uh, That's interesting. The king and his men marched to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who said to David, you will not come in here. Even the blind and lame will turn you back, thinking David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, which is now the city of David. David had said on that day, whoever would strike down the Jebusites, let him get up the water shaft to attack the lame and the blind, those who David hates. Therefore, it is said, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. David occupied the stronghold and named it the city of David. David built the city all around from the Milo inward, Milo inward, and David became greater and greater for the Lord. The God of hosts was with him. King Hiram of Tyre sent message to David. Along with cedar trees and carpenters and masons who built David a house, David then perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people is Israel in Jerusalem. After he became after he came from Hebron, David took more concubines and wives and more sons and daughters were born to David. Uh, these are the names of those who were born to him in Jerusalem. Shamua, Shabab, Nathan, Solomon. Ibhar, uh, El- Elishua, Nepeg, Jabhia, Eleshama, Eliada, and Elephilet. Philistine attack repulsed. When the Philistines or Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines were went up in search of David, but David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? The Lord said to David, go up for 
I will certainly give the villain signs into your hand. So David came to Balam Parazim. Baal Parazim, and David defeated them there. He said, The Lord has burst forth against my enemies before me like a bursting flood. Therefore, that place is called Baal Parazim. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them away. Once again, the Philistines came up and were spread out in the valley of Rephaim. When David inquired of the Lord, he said, You shall not go up, go against go around to their rear and come up upon them opposite the balsam trees when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees then be on the alert for then the lord had gone out before you to strike down the army of the philistines david did just as the lord had commanded him and he struck down the philistines from the from geba all the way to gezer Thanks. Okay, thanks be to God. Wow. So, um, okay, so I had some time to think. So Ishbal was the king of Israel. And he was just randomly, I mean, according to this narrative, he was just randomly killed by um, the captains of Saul's former raiding bands after, because keep in mind, like they heard Abner had died. So their their reaction was like, well, let's get in good with David and bring him the head of the king of Israel. And then but what to me, what's more likely scenario, because to me, this is just all propaganda. Like none of this is real for real, for real. Like if David was a real person, I don't think the God of the universe was telling him to kill people or telling him the best ways to kill people. I think that's just part of the narrative. But I think what's more likely scenario, if this is any way grounded in fact, is that um, David had those captains like Abner's captains kill Ishbal to consolidate the kingdoms and then killed the assassins because that's what you do. I feel like he's pulled this move a couple times, actually. I think a lot of people throughout history have pulled this move like it's a pretty well-known power grab. Like, let yeah. me kill this guy and take his stuff and then kill the people who helped me do it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but the problem is there's a lot, there are millions of people in this world who believe that the God of the universe was talking to this unwashed polygamist murderer <laughs> and that, you know, Jerusalem is still the city of David and now everybody's fighting over the scraps. So, because I think people desperately, I, I don't know, like this is just, it's just so obviously bad that I just, because it just so happens David's like, hey, shall I go up against the Philistines? And God was like, yeah, you should totally go up against the Philistines. It's like, hey, that's great. That's what I want to do. It's like, what? You, what? Like, okay. You know what I really, you, you explaining that made me think of. <laughs> You know what I really like about the Last Jedi, the new Star Wars, the new, the, the I guess the sequels to the originals, whatever, whatever the new trilogy is. One of the things when he was like, "Yo, you you should join me. You should let go of the past," and that was kind of like I guess a metaphor also for us to let go of the old Star Wars and kind of like let's explore new avenues. <laughs> And I feel like that when it comes to this material. 
I think that because I mean, Star Wars I, was I always think, a veiled metaphor for our own society. Are you being for real? Yes. Like the Jedi um, were the priest class and the Empire <laughs> is, you know, all the empires that Earth, you know, that humans have created. Like, yeah, it was a uh, <clears throat> oh, interesting. I'll talk about the Jedi because people uh, people often think that the Jedi can't have kids. That is actually not true. Hmm. The Jedi just cannot marry or fall. Or actually, they can't marry and fall in love. They can still fuck and have kids. Okay, there you go. That's always how you want to do things. You know, but that's true of even the priest class, you know, in the Catholic Church. Like, that was newer thing where you couldn't have kids. Like, at first yeah. you could totally have kids, and then they were like, hey, we're losing too much money. So they were like, mm. nah, you can't have kids. It's like, wait, news it. Wait, God, can we have kids? <laughs> oh, nope, just hearing in from God, can't have kids. I brought that up to say that I think that a lot of the problems that we fall into with the modern world we live in is that we are unwilling to let go of some past things. And because of that, it causes a rift in our society where I think some things are definitely good to have structure and provide value, but I think we should always be looking forward on how do we improve upon the design of things and i don't think that happens often i think we get so ramped up in it's the word bureaucracy i don't know we get so we get so caught up in just holding on to old things that it hinders us from moving forward it does um, now that's it's called is, being conservative I, that's why i say like just conservatism is just inherently bad because it's a denial of the need for change well, there is a study. I don't want to say study. There is another form of thought out there that if we change too quickly, sure. it can have a negative effect. Of course, it can be destabilizing. Uh, it doesn't mean yeah. like change everything all the time. Like I think you know, red light should still be red. Um, it's just <laughs> you, you know, like Look. but the things that aren't serving us should be changed. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it, there's no point in being like, but what if, what if God sends the locusts? It's like, chill out. Like, God ain't thinking about you for real. I would be very interested for like generation, uh, I guess Gen Z, and then the whatever the generation is after them to see how they, when they, when the world is placed in their hands and how they, you know, do with it when it comes to society when it comes to I have to, to believe they're going to do a better job. But um you No, know, for one I, I think man, I think they will in some ways and I think in other ways maybe not. Of course, that's how things always are. Like, yeah. you know, the, it, it is hard to know what that balance is of what to keep and what to throw away. You know, there's just there's just all that's just life though. You know, you do your best. What can you do? Yeah. All right, 2 Samuel 6. <clears throat> wait, whoa, 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 wait, you never read that? Did we not already read something? Am I tripping? Yeah, no, you just did five. Oh, okay. Yes, you are in fact tripping. No, you just read something because I was. Res- I was responding to what you just said. 
we were having a conversation like you just read first Samuel five and we were responding to that. And now it's my turn to read first Samuel six. Once I start, you'll see it'll feel new. Trust me. I don't know. I'm I'm a great producer. I'm doing great. Like, just trust me on this one. (laughs) Okay. Second Samuel six. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David and all the people with him set out and went out and went from Baal Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. They carried the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab were driving the new cart with the Ark of God, and Ahio went in front of the Ark. David and all the house of Israel were dancing before the Lord with all their might, with songs and lyres and hearts and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nekon, Uzzah reached out his hand to the Ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him there because he reached out his hand to the ark, and he died there beside the ark of God. David was angry because the Lord had burst forth with an outburst upon Uzzah. So that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come into my care? So David was unwilling to take the ark of the Lord into his care in the city of David. Instead, David took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. It was told... King David, the Lord has blessed the house of of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because the Ark of God. So David went and brought up the Ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the Ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. David danced before the Lord with all his might. David was girded with a lined ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael's daughter of Saul looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. She despised him in her heart. They brought in the ark of the Lord and set in it set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it and David offered burnt offerings and offerings of well-being before the Lord when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the offerings of well-being he blessed the people in the name of the Lord host and distributed food among the people and the whole multitude of Israel both men and women to the eat a cake of bread a portion of meat a cake of raisins then all the people went back to their homes David returned to bless his household, but Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants' maids, as any vulgar fellow might shamelessly uncover himself. David said to Michael, 
It was before the Lord who chose me in place of your father and all his household to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord that I have danced before the Lord. I will make myself yet more comfortable than this, and I will be abased in my own eyes. But by the maids of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. Woo, bitch. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Um, <clears throat> so Damn, David was talking his shit. Well, I found it interesting that David got pissed off at God. That was interesting. You know what, though? Because once again, I'm reading this through the lens of an adult who understands like political propaganda. So I think uh, what happened is because it sounds like they were partying, right? Like they, they had the castanets, they're singing and dancing, mm -hmm. probably drinking. That's being left out of it, but that's usually a part of this. A lot of times you get drunk, you want to dance and party. Maybe, maybe mm -hmm. not. But it sounds like what more than likely happened is David killed this dude and then blamed it on the Lord. Because if you if if you're if you're seeing things from my lens, which is the Lord is just David's imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. Um, the, who just kind of co-signs whatever he wants to do. Um, mm -hmm. You can also just blame stuff on him. It's just like that evil spirit that the Lord sent on Saul and, you know, just conveniently lined everything up for David. Um, It's giving Diddy where it's like, I don't actually ever really get my hands dirty. I just let my goons do everything or whatever. Um, And then blame it on somebody else and he didn't have to uh and and once again we're kind of glazing over the part where he's taking a bunch of wives and concubines too um you know it's kind of weird because the people who follow this book now are very anti having sex with other people but david seemed to be super into it and the lord was super cool with him yeah i i found a lot of Oh, and one more Just thing. I'm sorry, because that was what the uh, Elijah Muhammad, he always used to cite David whenever he was being a shitty leader. And it's like, well, God still chose him. It's like, bitch, y'all are running the same play. You killing people to consolidate power and fucking all the hoes. <coughs> <laughs> I found a lot of contradictions in this book, especially as we've read more of it in gone through it and talked about the homoeroticism that falls in line with a lot of it first of all um and then the excuses that people make in the modern era to justify some of their actions is based upon this is just horrendous to say the least um i don't agree with it i mean i feel like at this point it's kind of a broken record of opinion that i'm giving but Nonetheless, for the new listeners or people who might be coming in, you know, maybe this helps. Yeah. Um, I agree. Um, it, it's definitely it's it's I, I want to make it very clear that I'm not like a person who thinks like we should burn all the Bibles or anything like that. I think the Bible is a very important document and it's obviously affected our world in a lot of ways. I think that viewing it as a magic document from God is a problem. And what's so interesting is that the people who are biblical literalist, 
they're usually also very anti-Catholic. And what's funny to me is like we wouldn't have any of this if it weren't for the Catholic Church. So if you think like the Catholic Church is messed up, like you're just like an off-brand version of the Catholic Church. You should know that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But this is what I was trying to get to. And maybe I didn't elaborate the point earlier about Jeannie Buss saying she can't really take a day off. I I don't think we necessarily need to. I think you should take time for yourself. But you should also know that you you have to continue to educate yourself. Um, you have to continue to work on your body, work on your mind. These are things that are important. And the moment you start to slack too much and get too comfortable that's when that's when life comes for you i agree life learning should be a lot you should we should all be lifelong students because the moment you think you've got it all figured out that's when you messed up what do you think because i okay so living in the in real life i've come across because you've brought this up before you don't understand how people don't read um or who what do you think is a way to reach people who don't normally go out and seek the information in ways of reading, research, etc.? Um, for example, the person who made the app Duolingo, which teaches you new languages, um, he said one of the things that he realized was or that they realized, I'm trying to get my pronoun game right. Um, I'm not I'm not sure if he identifies as he, but I'm trying to keep it gender neutral. One of the things that they realized is that um, the best way to click with people is to gamify learning. Mm-hmm. So Duolingo, they realized that once you start a streak and we send you reminders, hey, your streak is about to end, a lot of people are more likely to go be like, oh, I don't want to lose my streak. And so they continue to learn and they've done it in a way that's Okay, I think fun. I understand what you're asking. So you're so asking, you, like, how yeah. do you get across to people who don't necessarily, who aren't necessarily as curious as we are and want to, like, mm-hmm. look this stuff up and find out for themselves? I think the best way is by asking people questions. I think there should be like, cause that is like almost a type of game, like using the Socratic method mm-hmm. because people trust the stuff that it's like inception, like the stuff that they come up with. They don't want to be told mm-hmm. they're wrong. They want to be like, they want to discover, give them the opportunity to, to discover it instead of trying to push it on them. So that would be my suggestion is ask questions because a lot of times when people are like that these are questions they've never asked themselves and that's why a lot of times people get frustrated with children I love children because I love a new perspective they have fresh eyes on everything and Mm -hmm. so since I'm not afraid to have my viewpoints challenged I love that but for people you know there are people who hate children and I think they're the same type of people who don't (laughs) like answering questions like they'll be like you know the when they're like but like why why and it's like oh my goodness like or they're ashamed of saying, I don't know. Like, I'm never afraid to say, I don't know, because I know I'm never going to know everything. Oh, we're so late. Like, I'm just now reading our comments from YouTube from when we did God Awful Movies. But, like, there were people in the comments who were trying to, like, drag you for not knowing what masochist meant. But I'm like, most people, like, nobody knows. 
oh yeah like I, oh I, I, I fired back on your behalf super late three months later but i don't need see the one thing that i've learned is like for those who may have transferred over to listen to us i don't I'm not here to say that I know everything. See, I think that's where people get fucked up, where they claim that they know everything and they act as if. Like, I'm perfectly, com- I'm going to go comment on that shit. But I'm perfectly comfortable just being like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's very arrogant to go into life and be like, man, you never, you never seen that or you don't know what that means. Like, yeah, at one point, well, there was a time you, had, where you, you didn't, didn't fucking know, nobody. It, yeah, there was a time. Yeah, so no one, I, I put in the comments, nobody knows all the words. And asking is how we learn. So, and, and to me, it's it's very similar to that thing of like asking people like why they waited so long to come forward with their story. It's like, you're not making it a safe environment for people to come out. And then whenever you're like, you didn't know that, you're not making a safe environment for people to ask questions and learn. So that's what I want. I want, a, I want an environment that has less abuse and is safe to ask questions. And for me, that was because I, I consider us like we're kind of like Sunday school dropouts. You know what I mean? Like we just kind of like decided to piece out of this whole thing. But part of what I didn't like about it is that questions aren't encouraged. They say they are, but they're not for real. Well, I have pushback on that. OK. Uh, what you said. Um because I have a friend who doesn't like being questioned. And this particular individual, he, he, uh, he feels like when you're asking too many questions to him, why the fuck do you want to know? And me and him have gone back and forth with this. Well, no, I'm just saying you're talking about like for like people who don't want to read, like how to get them. No, to no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, right. But I think another perspective of that is when you do start asking people questions cuz i agree with you totally i think yeah. the the yeah. i think I've, i think there's a quote out there about the most personal thing you can do is ask somebody a question mm-hmm. because then it makes them feel like they're important yeah because, because they, they are want- my whole thing is like i'm i'm not even doing it to be manipulative people are important like we need yeah, I didn't each mean other it in a but i mean way. i just wanted to clarify but also i wanted yeah. to um because I, I do have to uh, get started today. Yeah, I, I had a hard okay. stop time at 8.30 so that I won't be late for work. All right. Well, be curious, not judgmental. I think that is what we got. Oh, oh real quick. Today. Next time on Bible Breakdown, uh, God does a covenant with David. Uh, there's some David wars. That's pretty predictable. And then David's kindness to Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Right, well, I'm looking forward to that. Yes, Any and your body spot. belongs to you. So have some fun with it. Bible Breakdown Podcast at gmail.com. See you next time. Peace.